0: All the noise and change in our industry is chaos for some, but opportunity for others. Some of us just need a Sherpa to help climb the mountain to business enlightenment. What's that journey like? How do you approach it? And what do you do when you reach the summit? We'll find out on part one of this two-part episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes the choice is yours you're listening to the shift shapers podcast you're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries get ready to become the change that you want to see here's your host and chief transformation strategist david saltzman this episode of shift shapers is brought to you by major league mindset dedicated to helping you play bigger Do you watch those other advisors grab the large accounts and wonder, what do they know that I don't? Do you think about being the recognized authority on health plans and other benefits in your market, but just aren't sure how to get there? The good news is those other advisors know a few secrets that we can help you learn to turn you into that advisor that everyone else points to as the one to be. We've been there and done that, and we can help you get there too. Play bigger. Play Major League. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Ryan Miller. Ryan is a speaker, a trainer, coach, a consultant, and a fellow podcast host, so this should be fun. There's a lot of noise and and a lot of change going on in all the channels that we all deal with, and for some people, that makes it chaotic, and for other people, it brings opportunity. And for a third group of folks, they're not really sure, and that seems to be most everybody, And so the the value of having somebody who can coach you, of not climbing the mountain by yourself, but having a Sherpa, has become more and more valuable. And we wanted to talk to Ryan a little bit about that, about what he does, and about how he got to be doing what he's doing, because that in and of itself is both an interesting and instructive
1: discussion. So with that, welcome, Ryan. Thanks, David, so much for having me. I already feel so important that you called me a Sherpa. A Sherpa. Well, you got to have a Sherpa, you know, it's,
0: you know, if you've listened to the news in the last couple of months, you know what happens when you climb without a Sherpa and that's not a good thing. So it's the same thing for folks in our business. You know, sometimes you just, you know, it's difficult. Somebody asked me why I don't do a podcast about my business and that's, I've tried to do it four or five times and it's way more difficult than interviewing other people. Hmm. And it's the same with the marketing I do. I don't know if you've found that or not, but it's, it's just way easier to help somebody else than to do
1: it for yourself. Absolutely. I can't I cannot agree with that statement anymore.
0: You know, sometimes you just need to have somebody who's got an arm's length because you get too close to stuff and you can't see the forest for the trees. But enough waxing poetic. Give us a little bit about your background and the pathway that you took to be where you are. And, you know, some of it was just kind of happenstance and some of it was influenced by a rather unique and, and not so happy incident.
1: Yeah. So not to bore with too many details, but I think I'm coming up on... 21 years now of professional sales experience that started after a short stint in a warehouse job working for a company that did wheels for cars manufacturing. And I begged for a sales job. And after about six months, I think the owner got tired of listening to me beg and gave me an opportunity. And I fell in love with sales. And so that continued on. And I spent quite a few years in three different organizations in the manufacturing distribution and wholesale functions of the aftermarket wheel and tire industry. I yeah, topped out there and went to work for a large regional document management and print company. They were taking what was old school blueprints, turning those into black and white documents and printing those for the construction industry, and at the time that I caught wind of them, they were riding the housing boom like nobody else. I mean, they were literally just printing 7 days a week and 24 hours a day, and it was unbelievable and My stepdad was the VP of sales there, and so I really wanted a job because I saw how successful they were. He wouldn't give me a job because he didn't want to show favoritism. So I went over his head. I went to the CEO of the company and I said, hey, I said, my stepdad's costing you money by not hiring me. I could be your top sales guy. You got to give me a shot. Nice. And it sounds great now, except for the fact that it was just coming from a really, really cocky kid at the time. I was in my early 20s, had been successful in sales. And so, you know, felt really good about myself. Thankfully, God was on my side and I did well pretty quickly and so that cont- continued on for just about five years so that was 2006 is when I started and I went on to selling to some of our premier accounts which were the large public home builders and general contractors in the region and even across the country. I was being bred to go out and run a division. I went through a one-year leadership development program, learning how to manage a P&L and a balance sheet for not just an individual division, but we were also going public. We had been acquired by a large company, so I was learning how to do, you know, financial roll-ups. And so there was just a lot there that I was learning, which was fantastic. And I had no idea how that would lend to, you know, my own business practice later. And then in 2011, as the housing bomb went off and everybody was crumbling. Our division alone went from 700 to 200 employees. And at that point, they couldn't cut bodies anymore. They had to cut salaries. I was one of our top earning salespeople. And so one day my boss brought me in and said he had to let me go. I thought he was joking until I reiterated my question to him, like, are you serious? And he said, yeah. He says, you know, I've I've been told I've got to let you go. Packed up my stuff. I got in the car and drove home and Called my wife, she was bawling her eyes out and I said, don't worry about it, we'll figure it out. And through that experience of being laid off when I thought I just had it all dialed in, I started going on interviews and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I just, I I didn't think that working for somebody else really aligned with what I wanted to do and how I wanted to lead, whether that be a business or lead in serving clients. So I decided to start my own business doing training, coaching and consulting I had no idea what that meant, and I did not really figure that out until probably the middle of 2012, even though I had been in business about six or nine months at that time, just kind of piecemealing things together. And so in 2015, I was hired by one of my clients full time. They were an employee benefits consulting firm, a regional broker here in Southern California, fantastic organization, crazy goals. And I just thought that it would be a fun ride to be a part of something that just seemed to make sense. And I thought that I would stay there for probably you know seven to 10 years, watch them through and participate in this crazy ride they were on. And unfortunately, that plan changed as the result of being in the crowd in Las Vegas when the mass shooting took place. My wife and I and five of our friends were there worse off than even just the experience of that was the fact that one of our best friends who I was standing shoulder to shoulder with as the fire erupted, she was hit and killed in the process. So that was just obviously a devastating event for many, many different reasons. But one of those things was it started to cause this moment of reflection for me as I went back to work and trying to figure out if it's really what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I just couldn't confidently answer yes. And my wife saw it in me. And there were some other things going on organizationally that it wasn't anything necessarily terrible. It was just a misalignment again, kind of with who I was. And so I decided in May of 2018 to walk into my boss's office and resign a fantastic paying job with a ton of upside potential to go back into business for myself. And so here I am just celebrating a year of being back out consulting, coaching, training, and I'm in love with it.
0: Well, that's a hell of a story. And, and <laughs> certainly, you know, lots of bad and traumatic things happen to lots of people. What was the process? And we can talk about the coaching in a minute. But what was the process of trying to make sense of that event? And, and how did it impact your viewpoint on how you were going to go forward with your business?
1: Yeah, so... I would like to say that it was just this, you know, immediate moment of like epiphany of some sort. It wasn't quite that. I had experienced quite a few different hardships and struggles in the past. I mean, I had, my family had gone through some financial ruin, So I had experienced kind of that hurt and heartache and loss a year prior to Vegas. A coworker of mine committed suicide and So that was devastating in and of itself. There was something unique about this event because as I started to step back into work again, which I think that it was about a week and a half or two weeks before I got back to work, which my company was just so gracious and just giving me space and time. I was sitting there and I just, I didn't feel like not that I wasn't in it because I was there to give 100%. I just didn't feel like I I was giving everything that was inside of me to the to the role that I was playing in the organization. And so I just started to ask questions of myself. I had a coach who was uh, quite a bit older than me, really wise man, and so I was. I was really just, you know, speaking with him a lot and speaking to my wife. And my wife saw it in me. And again, it wasn't that. Like, I mean, I was going to work. We were still doing good. We were successfully selling. My team was really happy, and overall, things were working great. There was just something missing, and so I just started regularly reflecting, and I was journaling, and oddly enough, I was reading. Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Willink. And there were just some statements he was making in there even that were just so simple, but it was causing me to really think about like, is this me? Like, am I I really like sold out, committed to what I'm doing? And I just I continually could not completely answer yes. Like I could say yes, but there was some hesitation in there. So it was journaling, it was praying, it was reflecting, it was talking to other people, and through that process, it really started to you know what started to rise was this this desire to go to go back out into business for myself again. But there was there were so many other things that were happening in that process, right? Because it's like, I'm working for a great company. So I don't want to just run away from that. I have a lot of people around me that I really enjoy working with my team was awesome. I loved working with them. I didn't want to leave that the security, the opportunity of I can't get into a ton of detail, but potentially a significant payout down the road as participating in this organization. I had to contemplate walking away from all of that stuff. And so every time I would think about going out on my own, it, like that kind of stuff sucked me back in. Like, am I am I playing games with myself? Am I just not satisfied? There were just so many questions that I was asking and wanted to answer to get as much clarity as possible before I took that risk and put my family at risk of being self-employed all over again. Well, you know,
0: if if you're gonna learn a lesson about discipline and freedom, for those of you who don't know, Jack O'Willing, he's a former Navy SEAL. It's a great book. We'll link to it in the show notes underneath everything else. We'll put a link there right on top of where you can get in touch with Ryan and and ask him more questions about what he's doing. And now a word from our sponsor. Face it, the market is crazy. There's so much noise that it's getting harder and harder to stand out. Yet some advisors seem to be capturing more than their share of the best clients in your market. Here's what many of them know. To get the spotlight, you have to be in the spotlight. That means being visible everywhere in front of the prospects you want. But if you're thinking that's just too challenging to do one prospect at a time, well, you're right. With the right set of skills, prospects will be looking for you. You have to leverage your time. It's all you have to sell, right? So let us help you get in front of the large groups of prospects you want, with all of them listening to you for insight on how the market got so screwed up and how you can help be their guide out of the morass. Let them know that you have the three C's, confidence, competence, and a course of action that can help lead them. Our four-week online course, Pitching from the Stage, will help with all the three C's as well as improving your ERA, that's Engagement, Relationships, and Authority, with our unique impact method. For more information, click the Major League Mindset logo on the ShiftshapersOnline.com website and use the special offer button on the site For a limited time, first-come, 1st serve special, just for Shift Shapers listeners. Play bigger. Play Major League. And now, back to our conversation. Did all of those hardships and all of that thought that you had to give to things inform your approach to how you coach individuals and how you help them
1: deal with the issues they're dealing with? Oh, I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. Even when I was coaching previously, when I was leading my team for the organization I worked for, even in all of that, like I, I, I was always very intrigued by and tried to lean as hard into the inward makeup of people, right? Not not trying to get too philosophical necessarily, but you know, there are very unique characteristics inside of people that make them who they are. And, you know, we talk about strengths and weaknesses and, and that's all part of it. But there is just a very unique makeup to each individual person. And so as I was again trying to tap into that for myself, and and at that point in my career, by the way, like I had already been successful. I I was clear with who I was. I was disciplined, habitual, like overall. I mean, people would look at me and say like, you know, he's doing all the right things. And so it's not like all of a sudden I had this like zero to 100, you know, flip or something. But because I was starting to reflect deeply on myself, then as I went back out into coaching again, so much more of my own mindset shift was in helping them to have a mindset shift and not focus so much on you know all the external things that we think we can control and can't, but really focusing more on the inward things that we 100% can control and trying to identify those, improve those you know wherever it may be possible.
0: I think that's a, that's a key component is is being aware of those things you can control, those things you can't control. How often, just as a general rule of thumb, would you say, if you, if you look at the entire universe of people that you, that you talk to and that you coach, how often is there that misalignment of mindset? And that's the first thing you have to get right before you can move forward, just as
1: a a rough number. Gosh. I mean, I, I would, I would say conservatively, it's probably 75%. Yeah. Yeah, and, and most people would disagree with that statement if I, if I was implicating them into that 75%, and yet, if you look at anybody and the way that they design their life, and particularly in the way that people set goals for themselves, almost every single goal that people set for themselves are outward, uncontrollable events that they cannot 100% guarantee are going to happen. And yet that's all they're focused on. And that's how they shape their life and their business and, and, and everything. And all the while, they're missing out on these underlying things, which are the things that are inside of us, whether as an individual or inside of the individuals for the teams that we lead or work with or whatever. So it's just, yeah, it's so backwards. It is so backwards.
0: So when you coach folks, what are the tools that you employ to help them get their mindset straight, and then then we can talk about kind of okay. Once you've got your your brain screwed on straight, where do you go? But what are the tools? How do
1: you get there? Yeah. So there are a few different ways, but I should probably preface at least this part by saying, like, my role as a coach is not to tell somebody what to do, and my role as a coach is is not to do things for people, and so. With that, that means that I have to be very careful about how I step through this. Process particularly early on with people because I, I'm trying to build a relationship and build trust with them so so they can see that I'm actually out for their good and and as I do that so they come to me right and they have typically some goal whether it's a revenue goal as a salesperson or an entrepreneur wants to achieve you know X Y and Z or maybe there's an employee in an organization and the executives come to me and said hey like this person's on the chopping block if if we can't get them to this point like we're gonna have to let them go. So I have to, I have to address at face value the things that they've brought to my attention. And I want to do that as respectfully as possible. But at the same time, as I'm looking at it, I'm always looking first and foremost at root cause. And once I start to understand root cause, then I go from three principles when I coach in this domain and it's purpose, process and perseverance. And it's a real cute acronym. I probably made made sure it was that so I could remember it but but really it's this idea of what what's this person's purpose literally in life right and 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 then in each domain that they feel is important and want to be coached in or need to be coached in so purpose is first and then from that once once I can start to get some kind of handle on who they are internally then i can start to help them create or or vet their current process to achievement and continually reflecting back on purpose and then finally perseverance It's like, what is going to keep you going when all the crap hits the fan? Because it does, day in and day out. Most of us set a goal, and two days later, we're derailed because we weren't really in it to begin with, even though we thought we were. So I've got to make sure that those motivating factors, again, are internal, and that's what's going to allow them to persevere, and they're not external factors like, well, I'm going to make more money.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear you delineate the difference between coaching and instruction, And I think that's very, very important, especially for people who are out in the universe and who are maybe looking for help. There's two classes of ways that you go about this, and and it's not a one-size-fits-all. But coaches help draw out from the individual the answers that they need, or instructors just say, do this, do that, do the next thing. Do you often find that some of the people who hire you on expect instruction and not
1: coaching? Oh, absolutely. Most people hire a coach thinking that that coach is going to help them do what they need to do, right? Like they're going to, they're going to, they're going to help tell them what they need to do, or they're going to help them do it. And that's not to say that I don't help my clients build process. And that's not to say that I don't construct things on their behalf. It's not that that, that doesn't happen because that that's part of this, this whole journey with them. But if that's what you think is going to happen is you're going to go find somebody that is going to help you get to where you need to go by doing things for you, you're just you're sorely mistaken, like the most successful pursuits we have in anything that we do are, are when we find them inside of ourselves. And so again, that's why it goes back to on my podcast many, many months ago, I had talked about this idea that I think motivation sucks. And I was specifically talking about external motivation. But when we think about that, we again, we're, we're always trying to think about External factors, a good and bad. And, and we forget that everything that we need to accomplish the things that we have been called to accomplish, which again, like that's key is what we've been called to accomplish. But everything that we need to accomplish the things that we have been called to are already inside of us. They may need to be honed. They may need to be grown. They may, there's some things that may need to be removed, but ultimately we have what it takes. And so as a coach, All I'm trying to do is help you tap into what's already in there and then enabling you to leverage those things to become the person that you want to become. There's
0: a great story about a little kid watching Michelangelo take a block of marble and make it into a beautiful statue of a woman. And when Michelangelo was done, the kid tugged on the sculptor's coat and said, hey, mister, how'd you know she was in there? (laughs) You know, it, it's it, it's. I think sometimes it's also discovering that you have those things and learning that you have those things in there before you can even use it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. And it, and it's an, it's an everlasting process because this is something that I'm, I still try to do on a regular basis. Like I'm trying to constantly reflect on who I am and what's inside of me. Like I want to be the best version of whatever I step into. I don't have time to waste time. And so I've got to even do that for myself. The shift shaper podcast is a production
0: of strategic vision publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.